tomorrow night uh, is on schedule for Brother Cody Brown to minister the Word of God. And I thank the world of Cody and, and uh, thankful for him and uh, looking forward. I'm planning on coming back tomorrow night. Amen? Hope you are. Uh, I will not be here Wednesday. I'll be at another church preaching. But uh, looking forward to being back tomorrow night. And I heard that Goodwill Baptist is canceling their services uh, Wednesday night and coming here. So, Tony, you need to cook a little more food. Uh, so, amen. Uh, please be in prayer for us. Uh, me and my family will be leaving February the 12th, going back to Malawi, Africa, to, to minister there uh, underneath the guidance of the Holy Spirit. When we get back to Malawi, we will, um, if you can believe it or not, we have a Bible school that helps to train uh, pastors, rural pastors. And uh, it is, yeah, I, I got it started in 2019, and uh, we had to come back due to civil unrest, and then we couldn't get back because of COVID, and I ended up pastoring, but the school went on without me. But I went back quite often to check on it and teach. We'll have our first graduation in February when we get back. And I know what y'all are thinking. Lucas House started a school? <laughs> I want to tell you, God gets glory from things like that. Amen? To take somebody that's from Kilburn, uneducated, ain't got a clue what he's doing, and then God shines through, through some. That's where God gets the glory, amen? He gets the glory by using ordinary people, amen. That's how God gets the glory. And so when we get back, we will, right after, we'll have the graduation, and then right after Easter, we will con, uh, have a new group of pastors, 25 of them, and uh, we will begin the training process to help teach them the Word of God and also do vocational training with them, and we are excited. And we do a slew of other things there and, uh, and so forth. If you would like to keep up with me and my family, uh, you can sign up for a newsletter on the uh, clipboard down here, and there's also one in the foyer. Uh, I encourage you to take a prayer card and, and pray for us. Uh, it has all the information uh, regarding our ministry, International New Creation. We are uh, supported by, by the Lord as He leads people to give in churches. Uh, that's how we, we stay afloat to do the work of God. And I want to testify, He has always been faithful. Amen. <laughs> I can't point to one time where I said, He let me down right there. I cannot. There was a couple times I were close, but he always came through. Amen. He always came through. Well, let's get into it tonight. 2 Samuel chapter 11 tonight. And if you're looking for a title, we can write down, When a Saint Acts Like a Savage. When a Saint of God Acts Like a Savage. David here in 2 Samuel 11 uh, I am enamored, to be honest with you, uh, with the life of David. The early part, or the end of, I guess, 2022, I began to study more about the life of David. And I always knew the story of David and Goliath, and knew the story of him and Bathsheba, and, uh, and that, the highlights. But, but the thing is about David is this story of David and Bathsheba and his fall, so to speak, here, one of his, one of his I, I shouldn't say a fall because he got back up pretty strong, amen? But he fell many times. 
He failed many times. When he went to Nob and he was running for his life, he lied to Abimelech. And because he told a lie, long story short, Saul came in and he killed all of those priests. I believe there were 85 priests. that All of them got killed. Saul went in and killed all the people in the city. But you know what made David a man after God's own heart? When the word came to him that that happened at Nob, you know what he did? He said, I did it because I lied and I confess it. And let's move on. David was a man after God's own heart, not because he lived a perfect life, but because he knew how to repent quick and he knew how to move on with God. Amen. And God is not looking, I do not believe, for someone that is perfect because he ain't going to find one. Amen. And he knows that. But what he's looking for is for the people of God when they mess up to fall on their face and say, I failed and now I need to repent and restore the relationship, so to speak. Amen. David waited over 14 years before he was the king, running for his life from Saul. And we know so many stories about that, that he could have killed Saul twice, but he showed honor to God's anointed and so forth. We also know that, that, that David has several things that he did wrong. Tonight, if we could look at one of the main ones that we all know, if we could maybe learn a few things from, from David here tonight. And I want you to look at your life. And I know the title is When a Saint Acts Like a Savage, but maybe tonight we can look at this also. Have you stepped out of the will of God? Are you dwelling in some sin? Are you in the right place, in the right relationship that you're supposed to be with God tonight? You see, if we're going to move forward with the things of God and the kingdom of God, we're going to have to deal with sin at the altar, amen. We're going to have to deal with it at the altar and get it out of our lives. And to be honest with you, can I say this up front before I, I'm going to get ahead of myself? You really can't deal with it. Jesus dealt with it on the cross on your behalf. You just need to come in agreement with what Jesus already did for you, amen. You ain't going to whip sin in your, own, in your own power. You're going to have to look to the cross because he already did it for you. And doing that means humbling yourself and repenting before him. Amen. Verse 1, it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rahab. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass in the evening tide that David rose from off his bed, walked upon the roof of the king's house and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her. And she came in unto him, and he lay with her. For she was purified from her uncleanliness, and she returned unto her house. And the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child. Let's pray tonight. Oh, Father, I just pray tonight. Would you speak to our hearts? Would you search our hearts, oh God, and see if there be any wicked way within us? And show us, Father, your truth. Lead us in the way of everlasting tonight, Father. Speak to us, Lord. Father, I pray when you speak to us, you give us boldness to come forward and deal with it tonight. And Lord, I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. The first thing we see about David is he was in the wrong place, wasn't he? He wasn't where he was supposed to be. Look at verse 1 with me again. 
It came to pass when the kings go out for war, what did David do? David, he stayed back home. He didn't go to war. And if there was any king that loved a good fight, it was David, amen. David, instead of going to war, he sends Joab, that old crazy fella, he sends Joab and to go fight the war. And he stays home when he should have went to war. Right now, tonight, I want to tell you, you're vulnerable to the things of the enemy when you're not in the right place walking with him, amen. When you're not in the place that you know that you should be in, but you're in a different place and you're not walking right with him. You're vulnerable to the enemy and to his attacks. We see that David, he should have went to war, but it says, but David tarried still at Jerusalem. He wasn't where he was supposed to be. Are you where you're supposed to be spiritually in your walk with God? You know, have you weighed away from personal, uh, your personal studies of the Word of God tonight? If we could have such a revival of the love of the Word of God, that would change so much in our churches, amen. Just a simple devotion and a hunger for the things of God. But you know what I found out through pastoring for three years here in America? I found out this, most people do not read the Word of God on a daily basis. Most people, you know what they do? They do like a man did one time when I was preaching in Texas. I hope he's not listening tonight. We were riding in the back of the truck going to the church. And he said, hey, brother, give me that Bible out the back. I said, where is it? He said, it's back here in the back somewhere. And I was riding back there and I said, well, I don't see no Bible. It's probably under the seat. I said, well, man, uh, so I'm, I'm, you know, sitting there, you know, trying to find it. I find this Bible and I pull it out. And he says, yeah, there it is. Yeah, now we're good to go. And I started thinking, you got to be kidding me. You mean you only pull it out on Sundays? You're not in the right relationship with God. You don't even know how to walk with God if you don't know how to read and spend time studying and going through the scriptures, amen. Hey, this, this evening, if you're not faithfully studying the word of God, you are prime, you are prime bait for the devil to take over you, amen. Yes, you are. Oh, just a simple love for the Word of God. To read it and study it. Not to put it up on your house as decoration. Not for you just to think about it every now and again. And not even for you to open up an open windows devotional book, read you one verse and check, I've done it today. But for you to get into it and know who the God of the Bible is. For you to get into it. You see, David was not in a place he was supposed to. He was not in the right place that he was supposed to be, Amen. If you're not in the Word of God, you're not in the right place tonight. How is it that you can live for God and not read the Word of God? You're not living for God if you're not reading the Word of God, amen. We need the Word of God. You need to be in prayer. You need to be in those places. You know why? Because the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8, he says, 1 Peter 5, 8, he says, Be sober, meaning have a clear mind about yourself. Get yourself in the Word of God where you can be like the people in the book of Proverbs. You can be prudent and you can be wise and you can be discerning and have an understanding heart. Be sober, be vigilant, meaning be alert and awake. Watch your surroundings. Guard your heart. Why? Because your adversary, the devil. Listen to me tonight. He is an adversary and he hates you. You hear me tonight? I think some of you like to have your, ha, ha, hold hands with him every once in a while. 
Have a breakup every once in a while, but join back. Listen, he hates you. He has no good for you. The quicker you get that in your spirit, the better off you will be. Amen. He hates you. He's your adversary. He wants to trick you and steal from you and kill you and drain the life out of you. That's what he wants to do. And when you step outside of the will of God, knowing what he has called you to do, you're a prime bait. Notice what he says. He says, the adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Y'all ever, ever been on African safari? You go out there, the guide told me, we went on African safari. The guide told me, Brother Tony, he said, you see out there in that African savanna, and all it is is it's just high weeds like this, high grass, brown grass. He said, that lion will be crouched out there. And the one in the herd that walks away from the herd, that is the one the lion will chase. The weakest, the one that just thinks he doesn't need the herd, the one that thinks he can make it on, or the one that was kicked out of the herd. Amen. The lion is not coming out saying, oh, I'm the man here. I'm coming in. No, the lion is slay. He is sneaky, and he's waiting for the child of God. You may, yes, you may be born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, signed, sealed, and delivered, but he's watching in the grass waiting for you just to mess up, amen. And the moment you get away from the herd, which is the house of God, that is prime meat for the devil to come and grab a hold of you. You need the church, don't you? I know I do. These men gathered around me and prayed in the back. Man, that helped me. Need the church. You get sick, hopefully somebody from the church will call. Hopefully somebody will come by and cook for you. Hopefully somebody will show up at the hospital. and Listen, we need the church, amen. But when you don't want nothing to do with the church, get ready. You done stepped out of the will of God. And you're a prime example for the devil to come and to devour you. He's looking for the weakest. That's what he's looking for. And you know what David did? David stepped out where he was not supposed. He stepped out into a place where he was not supposed to be. Notice what it says in 2 Samuel 11. Notice what he is also doing. Because I want to bring out this point also. In verse number, in verse number 2. In 2 Samuel 11. It says, And it came to pass in the evening time that David rose from off his bed. I don't know about you, but I normally don't wake up in the evening. <laughs> Amen. Usually I wake up in the morning. You see, when you step out of the will of God, you're going to do some very strange things. Child of God, listen to me tonight. You may have been born again and know that you've been born again and you have been walking with God, but maybe tonight you stepped out of the will of God and now you're doing the things that you was delivered from. You're doing strange things. You told people not to do that, but now you're doing that. Why? Because you stepped out of the will of God and you won't deal with the sin in your life. You won't deal with it in your life. You won't you have no concern about it. You see, David woke up in the evening which was a very strange time. He wasn't in the will of God doing strange things and just so happy. There she is taking a bath. Now I've heard it. Why was she there? I don't know. Was it her? I don't know. I, hey, you ask, ask, ask the Lord one day. Amen. All those details. All I know is this. He stepped out of the will of God and he seen something. And because the protection of God wasn't upon him, he began to look at something he was not supposed to look at. 
Look with me here. Notice what, what happens in verse 3, 2 Samuel 11. David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her, and she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. You know what, you know what the devil is good at? He is good at the devil, he is good at helping you to see, helping you to see what you already have. What you do not, whoo, let me just read it, amen. The devil will help you to not see what you already have. David should have looked around and said, you know what, at this time he's already got six wives. <laughs> One of them couldn't, amen. And a herd of concubines. One of them was uh, Abigail. And if you read 1 Samuel 25, Abigail was a woman of great understanding and she was very beautiful to look at. You know what David should have done? He should have said, I'll look at what I already have, but the devil has a way to help you look at not what you got. Listen, he wants you to desire something else. And God's already blessed you with something, amen. Adam and Eve, they were eating from the tree of life, but the devil showed them, look, this is what you're missing out on, amen. Listen, Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, but he already knew what God had called him to, amen. Listen, the devil is good at trying to get our eyes off the goodness of God or what he's done blessed us with and get our eyes on, on other things, amen. Listen, you quit looking around at other things. Look at yourself and look at your life and how God has blessed you, amen. Blessed you, amen. Notice this, the third thing. God was trying to give him a way out. Do you see it? Look with me in verse 3. David sent and inquired after the woman. <laughs> David said, uh, who's that woman down there? Who is she? And there was somebody, look what it says. And one said, I don't know who the one was. I don't know if it was a servant. I don't know if it was his buddy. I don't know if it was a friend. I don't know who this one was. But one said this. One said, is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? One said, David, she's married, son. She, don't touch her. But David wanted her. David lusted after her. David desired her, but God was trying to speak to per, speak to him to try to get him away from his intended purpose. I want to tell you something, child of God. You step out of the will of God before you saint, act like a savage. God is going to try to get your attention. Amen. He's going to do something in some way to get your attention. Like what, brother? Luke? Listening to this message tonight. Amen. God will do what it takes. David, man after God's own heart, should have said, Ooh, you're right. Man, what was I thinking? Man, I should have, ooh, thank you. But you know what he did? He didn't listen, and he lusted, and he desired. You know what God will do to try to get a hold of you? The Bible tells us in Job, Job chapter 33. Look what the, look what the, what the Lord will do. If God, if you will not listen to him, he will get a hold of you one way or the other. God will go to far extremes, far extremes to try to bring you away from your desired haven what you, or your desired sin that you want to do. Job 33, 14. For God speaketh once, yet twice, yet man perceiveth it not. In a dream, if he can't get, get to you by speaking to you, he might give it to you in a dream. 
In a dream, in a vision of the night, when men sleep, uh, when deep sleep fall upon men and slumbers upon the bed, then he openeth the ears of men and sealeth their instruction, that he may withdraw man from his purpose and hide pride from man. Let me tell you about our Lord. If you go too far as his child, he'll do what it takes to try to get your attention, even if it's peering in a dream. Amen. 2015 was a tough time for me and my wife in ministry. We actually left Africa. and We, was, we left Africa. Tried to pastor some churches around when I got back. And I was dealing with some bitterness and some anger over what had happened in Malawi. And I'll never forget it. That was in the summer of 15. By December of 15, God began to speak to me. He said, it's time for you to return. And I remember that day when God spoke that to me. You know what I told him? I said, I ain't going. I ain't going. So I'm sick, just sick of no electricity and sick of the protests and the fight. I, I just, I ain't going. You forget it. Oh, but he's patient, ain't he? Amen. He had every right to kill me right then. But he's a good father, ain't he? A couple weeks later, here he comes back. It's time to go back. I sat on a church. I said I went to a church in view of a call, sat on the front of the, of, of the pew, and, and they were getting ready to vote. And I, and I said, Lord, do you want me here? And he said very clearly, no. I said, well, if you don't, let them vote against me. Well, they voted against me. I went home, and I said, I'm, I ain't going. I prayed. I said, Lord, I'm not going back. Send somebody else. I did my time. <laughs> I'm not going, Lord. I'm just not going back. Do you know what happened to me? I fell sick. It was on Wilbur Road where Leon Hill used to live. I fell sick for a whole week with a fever, and I laid in bed, and I went to the doctor. They said, we re you got a fever. We don't know what's wrong with you. After day three, laying in the bed, I, I began to pray. And I said, God, what is this? And he said, it is time for you to go back. I said, no, I am not going. Next day, steal the fever. My wife, bless her heart, oh, are you going to make it? Oh, what will I do? I said, honey, I don't know, but I, which I did know, but I didn't want to tell her. And finally, on the fifth day of laying in that bed with that fever, feeling horrible, I said, okay, God. I said, I will go back. Fever left. I felt better instantly, and I got up, and I said, I ain't going back. You laugh, but your heart can get hard. You can get to a place where you say, God, I know what it's like, but I don't want to do it. But God is so good, He will keep coming, and He will keep convicting, and He will keep revealing only to the children of God. And if you're here tonight, and you're lost in sin, never been born again, tonight is the night to be saved. But if you're here tonight and a child of God, and you don't wander out into some sin, tonight is tonight to get on your knees and say, God, forgive me. Amen. I went to a brotherhood meeting at Forest Baptist, and the man preached on a hard heart. Oh, I cried in the car. I said, God, that was for me. Hebrews 3. And I said, Lord, I'll go. And I said, Tia, I went home. I said, Tia, honey, we're going back. Okay. Okay. Whatever God says, we'll do it. And that night we wrote down a list. We wrote down a list on a blank piece of paper of the things that we needed. 
I went ahead and booked the tickets because I already done learned that when God speaks, you just act by faith. Even if you don't understand it, just trust Him. I wrote down on the list, Brother Tony, everything that we needed. Everything. And I said, we'll leave in three months. I believe that's what the Lord wants us to do. In that three months, everything on that list that we needed, God, resources. I'm going to tell you something. God can pull money out of... He knows how to make resources show up. If you will trust Him, if you will believe Him, He'll take care of you, amen. He'll wrap His arms. If you'll listen to Him. It took me hard in 15 and 16 to listen to Him. Tonight, listen to the Lord when He convicts you and He reveals to you, amen. I want to tell you tonight that that, uh, God was trying to give David a way out. But David was not looking for the door. Listen, the devil may build a fence all the way around you. It may encircle you and engulf you. It may be very, very tall. He may even dug a good footing for you. But I want to tell you, no matter how strong the wall, how strong the temptation, how high the temptation, you may think there's no way out. I want to tell you something about our God. He'll put a door somewhere where you can just walk out of it and say, I'm delivered from that and I'm not going to fall, amen. Look for the door tonight. Look for it tonight. If you're dealing with sin in your life, look for it. If you stepped out of the will of God and you say, I don't know how to get back, just turn around and repent, amen. He's waiting for you. That's how good this God is. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13 talks about no temptation has taken you, that that he would not make a way for you to escape, amen. You ain't went through nothing that Jesus Christ himself ain't went through, amen. Hey, through the power of God, we can live for him. You know what the devil likes to do? He likes to show us the short-term pleasure, don't he? But God wants you to know the long-term pain of the situation. You see, look what it says in the book of James chapter 1. James chapter number 1. James 1, verse number 13. Look what it says here. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempt he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. You see that, don't you? When he is tempted of his own lust, what's that lust? A longing and a desire. You want it. You, you desire it. You hunger for it. And then when, when lust is conceived and it is entitled, look what it says in verse 15. And when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. You know how fast sin can grow? Real fast. Real fast. Lust is conceived. You got the lust, it's conceived, it brings forth death every time. Look with me in 2 Samuel 11 and we'll prove the point. 2 Samuel chapter 11. David here, look what it says. It says he calls for, they they have the one night stand, so to speak, if you would. I'm sure it was very pleasurable for a season and for a moment. But just like that, verse number 5. And the woman conceived and sent and told David, I'm with child. If you don't deal with the sin in your life right now, tonight, it's going to come back and hit you hard. But God wants you to deal with it tonight at the cross, amen. There's freedom at the cross, amen. There's no shame at the cross because he takes your shame, amen. You know what David should have did right there? He should have said, Lord, I have messed up, but he didn't, did he? You know what he did? He goes a little deeper, don't he? 
Because when a saint of God acts like a savage, he becomes a different person. Sin is so deceitful, ain't it? Hebrews chapter 3, verse number, thir- verse number 13. Hebrews chapter 3. David was so deceived, it was so deceitful how sin was. It says, Hebrews 3.13, But exhort one another daily why it is called today. That's why we need to encourage each other. Unless any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Deceitfulness. It'll keep you from seeing the truth. David had not even yet seen the truth of what he did. And he thought to himself. He leaned on his own understanding with his problem. And this is what he said. I'm about to fix my problem. You ain't going to fix your problem. Amen. You ain't going to fix that sin in your life. He should have got right with God right then and held God's help. But you know what he does? Look what he does in verse 6. David sent, chapter 11, verse 2, uh, 2 Samuel. David sent to Joab saying, send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. David had him a plan, didn't he? He said, I'll tell you what. This is what we're going to do. Verse 7. And when Uriah was coming to, unto him, David demanded of him how Joab did and how the people did and how the war prospered. What a snake. Huh? Hey, Uriah. Hey, brother. How's it going out there? How's you and the boys doing? And Jugger done slept with his wife, and she's pregnant, and he's got something up his sleeve. How could David do this? How could he do this? The man that killed Goliath, the man that could have killed Saul so many times, the man that wept over Uzzah, preached last night, the man that was concerned about Uzzah's life, now here he is, done premeditated murder. How you doing, Uzzah? And the whole time he had something up his sleeve. This is what he says. And David said unto Uriah, verse 8, Go down to thy house and wash thy feet. And Uriah departed out of the king's house, and there followed him a mess of meat from the king. He said, I'll get him home. <clears throat> They'll be together. It'll look like his kid. He said, we'll just send a bunch of meat too. Look what he does. Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of the Lord and went not down to his house. And when they had told David, saying, Uriah went not down to his house, David said unto Uriah, Comest thou not from thy journey? Why then didst thou not go unto thy house? Uriah said unto David, The ark and Israel. The ark and Israel. David was very concerned about the ark not too long ago. And Israel and Judah abide in tents, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open field. Shall I then go into my own house to eat, to drink, and lie with my wife as thou livest and as thy soul liveth? I ain't going to do this. Wow. In other words, he was saying, David, what you're doing, I ain't going to do that. You see that? David said, I got a better plan. You ever committed sin and you're going to try to cover it up? You lied about it, and then you lie again, and then you lie again. It's kind of like that commercial uh, called Sam. Y'all ever watch local? Hey, man, mama does, don't you, mom? (laughs) He's digging his self deeper and deeper into debt and debt. Next thing you know, he's got to call Sam to pull him out. 
Hey, when you commit sin, the best thing for you to do is to run to the Father and say, Father, I see it. Would you help me? He will say, yes, I will. I forgive you. Now, because you messed up, there's a consequence, but I'm going to help you through it. Amen. But you know what we do? We say, man, we messed up, so let's kind of cover and cover. I want to tell you tonight, if you done slipped into sin, get yourself right tonight. Quit trying to cover it up because, listen to me, if you do not deal with it in private with God, God will deal with it in public in front of everybody. Amen. You hear me tonight? David had chances to deal with it in private with God, but when he did not, it went public to everybody. Chapter 12, which we ain't got time to preach tonight, Nathan shows up. And David finds out, whoa, somebody else knows about this ties me and Bathsheba. You better deal with it tonight. What sin are you talking about? I'm talking about the sin that I pray the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. Right now. Whatever the Spirit of God is speaking to you and dealing with your heart, you deal with that tonight, amen. Don't you try to cover it up. David said, I can't get him to go home, so this is what we're going to do. <laughs> David, verse uh, 12. David said unto Uriah, tarry here today also, and tomorrow I will let thee, let thee depart. So Uriah abode in, in Jerusalem that day and the morrow. And when David had called him, he did eat and drink before him, and he made him drunk. And at eve he went out to lie on his bed with the servants of the Lord, but went not down into his house. David got him drunk and said, now for sure he'll go home. He still, listen, a drunk Uriah had more integrity than a sober, out of the will of God, child of God. Amen. A drunk a, a drunk Uriah had more integrity than, than a man after God's own heart when he done stepped out of the will of God and was in sin. Oh, sin is deceitful. It'll blind you. Oh, you may be the best preacher, best Sunday school teacher, best deacon the world has ever known, but the moment you, by the grace of God, if you step out of it and going to go do your own thing, honey, let me tell you something. You will not make it, amen. You will not make it. Fall back on the grace of God. Fall back on Him. Amen. David showed no remorse. Let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. Verse number 14. And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter saying, Set ye Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retire ye from him that he may be smitten and die. He says, I'm going to write you a letter. Take it back to Joab. He's carrying his death sentence back with him. And it came to pass when Joab observed the city, and he assigned Uriah into a place where he knew that valiant men were. And the men of the city went out and fought with Joab, and there fell some of the people and of the servants of David. And Uriah the Hittite died also. And Joab sinned and told David. Now, he's going to go back and give a report. And look what David says. Skip with me. Verse number, verse number 25. Then David said unto the messenger, once he found out Uriah was dead, David said unto the messenger, Thus shalt thou say unto Joab, Let not this thing displease thee. For the sword devoureth one as well as the other. Make thy battle more strong against the city, overthrow it, and encourage him. You know what sin will do? It will bring you to a place where you have no remorse and no love. You'll be cold to the things of God. Amen? How could David say, yeah, it's okay if he died. No, no big deal. No big deal. 
Oh, listen to me, child of God. If you continue in sin tonight, if that's who you are tonight, and you continue, you'll get so calloused and remorse. The moment, I've seen it a million times, the moment somebody knocks at your house and says, I'd like to invite you back to church, or the moment you get a text message, you'll say, I don't want to hear this. I'm sick of this. Amen? Because you show no remorse for the things of God. Come to the Father. Come to the Father. You know what David does? Look at verse number 26. And when the wife of Uriah heard, and when the wife of Uriah, of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was there, she mourned for her husband. And when the morning was past, David sent and fetched her to his house, and she became his wife, bare him a son. But the thing that the Lord hath done displeased the Lord. David said, All right, I got this thing wrapped up. Come on over here, honey. But there was one person that was watching. Amen. And that one person matters more than anybody. There was one person that was watching. Notice what it says. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Did David not know this? No, I don't believe he did. And if I truly believe, well, let's not get in a theological debate and start another church over this tonight, amen? But I believe from verse number 27 to chapter 12, verse number 1, there was at least nine months in there. And you can study the Word, and you will find where David wrestled with it. David was not happy. David, it hurt in his bones. And David, because him and Bathsheba was the only ones, and maybe that servant or whoever that was maybe knew, but they were the only ones. And when you're a child of God and wandered out in sin, you will have no peace in your life. Amen. There'll be no peace for the child of God that steps outside of the will of God. People ask me all the time now, out of love and concern, they mean nothing by it. Are you sure you want to carry them kids all the way to Africa? If I don't, if I don't be obedient, I wouldn't be able to live with myself. I want to stand before God one day and He look at me and say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. I want to stand before Him and I want to say, I did my best, amen. I wasn't afraid of what people thought. What about the ifs and what about that? And what about that, amen. I want to live for God. I want to dedicate my life for Him. And if that means repenting every single day, honey, let's repent every single day. Fall back on the mercy of God, amen. God was displeased. Let's go to Psalms 51 and let's close with this tonight. Psalms 51 and let's just close with this tonight. Chapter, y'all know what happens. Y'all turn to Psalms 51, please. But y'all know what happens. David and all that. 2 Samuel chapter 12, Pastor Nathan shows up. <laughs> he gives a cute little story. By the, under the inspiration of the Lord. He says, David, there was a rich man and a poor man, and, and, uh, and uh, the rich man, and a traveler. The rich man, which was Uriah, the poor man, I'm, I'm sorry, which was David, and the poor man was Uriah. The traveler was the devil. He moves up and to and fro. And instead of taking it, the traveler, the devil, always offers sacrifice. That's another message. But you know what happens? David finally gets to a point where he admits, I have sinned. I have sinned. And then he writes Psalms 51. I want to ask you tonight, when are you going to deal with the sin in your life? When are you going to get serious about it in your life? You know what David did? David got serious about it. And the first thing he says in Psalms 51, I hope you found it, verse number one. The first thing he says, he said, have mercy upon me, O God. Oh, 
Woo. He threw himself down at the mercy of God, which is the best place you can go tonight. Child of God, if you wandered out of the will of God and you're not being obedient to, his, to the call of God on your life, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, the best thing for you to do tonight is just get down on this altar and say, have mercy on me, God. That's our only hope. And David knew it. He said, God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. That's our only hope tonight is to fall upon the mercy of God. He said, have mercy, O God, upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Notice what he says. He says, my transgressions. David don't come down there like people I've counseled before. Well, it was their fault. Huh? David said, ah, have mercy on me, my transgressions. First sign of repentance is owning up to what you did. And I did that. As wicked as it may be, I did that. And then he says, wash me thoroughly from, what's it say again? My iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression. And my sin is ever before me. All his sin got brought to his face. Why? Because he wouldn't deal with it in private. God had to bring it right up to his face. And everybody knew about it. What does he say? He said, against thee and thee only have I sinned. We sin against God and nobody else. He said, God, it is you that I have sinned against. David is now becoming that man that's after God's own, God's own heart. Then he goes, let's skip, skip to verse 10. Then he prays this. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right or steadfast spirit within me. May that be our prayer tonight. Hey, you done dabbled into something on the internet? You're looking at something you ain't supposed to, and it's done caught your attention. It's done grabbed your mind. It's, it's done consumed you, and you done got deep and deep and deep into it. Tonight is tonight you get on the altar of God and repent of it. Amen. You got a little girl somewhere else that you're flirting with and texting and giggling with. Tonight is tonight to cut that mess off. Amen. And get right with God. Amen. You got you another little boyfriend somewhere. Hey, you're going to end up like David with his son raping his daughter and then his other son killing that boy and then Absalom sleeping with his wives the same place where David walked upon. If you don't deal with it tonight. Oh, but I'm telling you, as we close here tonight, I'm telling you this. You can't deal with it apart from the cross. Come to the cross tonight. Woo-hoo, I'm glad about the cross. Come to the cross tonight. Oh, brother, look at this nasty. Good. He can clean that mess all up. Will there be consequences? They sure will be. But he'll give you power and wisdom how to navigate them and give you. It. Did I finish the story? They had him another boy, didn't they? Named Solomon. Jesus came. <laughs> come on. Jesus came right through that line, didn't he? You thought your family line was messed up. God can take a messed up situation and bring some good out of it. Brother Tim sang it tonight, didn't you? What the enemy meant for evil, God can flip that thing around and, and amen, make something out of it. But you got to get down at the altar tonight and confess it and repent of it and forsake it tonight. Kill it tonight. Kill it tonight at the cross of Christ. 
Are you born again tonight, young people? Have you been born again? Older people, everybody, have you been born again tonight? That's where it all starts, to be birthed into the family of God. Child of God, if you've been born again, you just need to get on the altar and do business with God. You don't need to go to a priest. He is your priest, Jesus Christ. He is your mediator. Tell him all your sin. Don't tell me all your sin. Amen? If you've never been born again tonight, fall upon the mercy of God. He'll take your life and birth you into the family of God.